0: Hey folks, thanks to a media tour by the four person of the special grand jury, we're learning more about the Fulton County, Georgia investigation into Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Among other things, the four person has indicated that the grand jury recommended charges for over a dozen individuals, seemingly including Donald Trump. But will the four person's public statements undermine the DA's case? In other news, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a pair of cases with major implications for the tech industry and social media companies. Joyce Vance and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. We have some exciting news for people who enjoy podcasts. Our colleague, and my former colleague, and my current colleague, in different capacities, Ellie Honig, has a new season of his podcast, Up Against the Mob. Guess when it drops? When? Tomorrow. March 1st. This is how we're going to begin the month of March. It comes in like a... Is it come in like a lion? Does it go <laughs> out go like, out the like lamb, a lamb? Or is that I get April?
1: confused. <laughs>
0: Does the March podcast bring spring shot? I don't remember. Anyway, episode one of a new season of Up Against the Mob drops tomorrow. To listen to it, search for Up Against the Mob wherever you listen to podcasts and hit the follow button. And we have more exciting news for insiders. Right, Joyce?
1: That's right. There are special additional episodes for insiders. This is a great podcast. Ellie is always fun to listen to, and he's at his best telling stories about mob prosecutions and talking with guests.
0: So it's Up Against the Mob beginning tomorrow with bonus episodes every week for insiders. Speaking of stories...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to head here. (laughs) It's a good segue,
0: right, to our first topic. Speaking of colorful stories, uh, Joyce and I have been discussing the ongoing investigation and grand jury proceedings in Fulton County, Georgia. The special grand jury has concluded. The report has been written. Parts of it have been released. Much of it remains under seal. And there's been a little bit of a press tour by the foreperson of that grand jury who is described as making colorful and cryptic comments. Emily Coors, she's gone all over the place and seems to have— Got a little excited about talking about various things that happened before the special grand jury and her reactions and what may be forthcoming and what their report says, but she's trying to walk a line. Should we go through some of the things that she said and then we'll discuss the propriety of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great idea. You know, I am one of those people, I guess this is a confession, who has a constant soundtrack running through my head as I read the news and as I watched this, I started hearing Boz Skagg singing, you know, Georgia, your daddy was high the night he dreamed of you. What is going on with Georgia?
0: Yeah, so she went to multiple outlets. I think, look, clearly, she enjoyed the service.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is sort of nice, right? Let's not yes, gloss over that. she enjoyed
0: the service.
1: I think that was great. She really engaged with her role.
0: I think she's between jobs. It helps to be between jobs. And among other things, some of this goes to the heart of what everyone is asking about, and some of it is just, you know, other color and commentary. But she didn't say flatly that there was a recommendation to indict one or more people or that there was a recommendation to indict Donald Trump. But she did say, (laughs) when asked about that, quote, you're not going to be shocked. It's not rocket science. It's not going to be some giant plot twist. You probably have a fair idea of what may be in there, I'm trying very hard to say that delicately, end quote. Do you think that's delicate, Joyce?
1: Look, I don't want to defend what she did because as a prosecutor, my little heart was cringing every moment that she spent on the air talking about the case. But from her perspective, she is not a lawyer. She does not understand the implications of any of this, I'm certain. What she did was she relied upon the advice that the judge gave grand jurors. She thought she was walking that line and that her delicate comment was just that, although we would certainly perceive it very differently.
0: Let's just mention some other things that she said, because it's interesting. And then we'll go to the judge's instructions, which are also interesting. She told CNN, quote, we definitely heard a lot about former President Trump and we definitely discussed him a lot in the room. And I'll say that uh, when this list comes out, you wouldn't, there are no major plot twists waiting for you, end Do you believe from that comment it's completely foreseeable that Donald Trump was one of the people recommended to be indicted?
1: So I'm not sure if I can answer that question. And, you know, this is the gossip that you always, you know, secretly want to hear coming out of grand juries, but realize really should never come out. Right. For all the obvious reasons that this lays bare. I think it's very likely that they recommended Trump for prosecution. But, you know, maybe they didn't. I mean, grand juries do weird stuff. That would be a
0: plot twist. Joyce. Look, here she also says this, quote, We heard a lot of recordings of President Trump on the phone. It is amazing how many hours of footage you can find of that man on the phone. Some of these that were privately recorded by people or recorded by a staffer, end quote. She's, you know, all the reporting has been Trump is on the hook. And she says, no plot twists. I'm going to take that to mean that they recommended an indictment of Trump. That does not mean, as we've said before, that Trump will be indicted, that a subsequent grand jury that has authority to file an indictment and issue an indictment will do so, or that the prosecutors will seek it. But this special grand jury, I believe almost certainly, per the delicate musings of the foreperson, it means that they recommended him for indictment.
1: So you make a very important point here, which is that the investigative grand jury's recommendations aren't binding in any way, shape, or form. That's up in the first instance to the Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis, to decide what she wants to ask the grand jury, the, the regular grand jury that will indict to do, and what that grand jury decides to do. So, so this is all a sideshow. But, you know, there's a, a little bit of an issue here, which is when course says that nothing will surprise people. I guess that depends on who you are and where you sit. because what if your you're baseline in, was, yeah. Yeah, if you're in Trump's base, you believe that he didn't do anything wrong here. Yeah, you know, but
0: she's not in Trump's base, the Well, we like don't it.
1: know. We don't know. i just saying it's the She did vote in 2020. I, She'd never heard this. You want to keep the this. suspense
0: going. I, I, I understand.
1: I, I agree. It's very likely that they recommended him for prosecution. But here in the Deep South— I think it's in, it's important to understand that a lot of people might think that Trump did was what I would have called as a prosecutor awful but lawful.
0: There's some other you know she she muses on other things as well. She gets asked about the decision of the special grand jury not to subpoena former President Trump to testify. She says, "quote We kind of knew what to expect, and so especially with our time being limited, and with our resources being limited." When it came to that, it was like, eh, we'd rather get this person, which is a battle that we can win, than this other one, end quote. And she also she also commented on Trump's reaction to some of the things that came out of the grand jury, the special grand jury, who said that he got a total exoneration from the special <laughs> grand jury. Years ago, like way back, when he started saying that things exonerated him, I once said, you could show him a Chinese menu, and he would say, total exoneration. <laughs> No Kung Pao chicken charges for me. And her response, colorful again, was, did he really say that? Oh, that's fantastic. That's phenomenal. I love it. And when asked if she had any response, she said, I invoke my Fifth Amendment right. That's what I have to say. So she's a little bit cheeky. Oh, one more thing, and then we'll talk about the propriety. She said, with respect to some of the witnesses, you know, she talked about which ones were funny, which ones were serious, which ones didn't want to be there. The late Georgia House Speaker David Ralston She said cracked her up, and she also commented that she swore him in for his testimony holding a ninja turtle popsicle that she had just received at an ice cream party thrown by the DA's office. Now, there's a lot going on there. Among other things, we'll get to this in a few minutes, there are allegations on the part of Trump lawyers and others that this special grand jury was a little too chummy with the DA's office. After all, there's ice cream being doled out. Do you have any response to that?
1: I don't know. I'm I'm sort of wondering about the taste of using the <laughs> mutant ninja turtle popsicles. You know, they're probably not the best. Did did your old office? Did you used to feed your grand juries? Did you ever put out food for them?
0: Yeah. You know, I was going to make the joke, and I, I was pausing. Well, we gave them ham sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lawyer dad joke all in one.
1: It, that was a good one, though. I mean, I think that might be the classic joke on this entire thing. Look, we used to feed our grand juries in, in the federal system. I mean, here we're talking about state prosecutors. In the federal system, when I first went to my office like 5,000 years ago, because I'm old, we did used to feed our grand juries. And then we developed an awareness that that might look bad. There was there was nothing bad. There was no effort to influence Wait, who, juries. Who was
0: feeding them, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office
1: or the court? Yeah, I mean, we would just put food out for them. It, it was like, you know, they came in, they were engaging in public service. The least we could do was make muffins, right, was the original view on that. But we, of course, realized how outsiders might view that, and it could create an appearance of impropriety, even though there was no actual impropriety. So we discontinued doing that. But, but I think it's not unusual, especially in state systems, to extend this courtesy to grand jurors. Willis should have realized, I think, how this could potentially play here. Sure, it was her investigative grand jury. Sure, they don't make any decisions. But when has Trump not, you know, driven a Mack truck through a one-inch wide opening?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's true. And we'll talk about what impact all this chit-chat will have. Let's talk about the propriety of what she said as an initial matter. I thought it was interesting that that one or more news stories— Suggested that, as she was giving interviews, she had in front of her the judge's instructions about what could be said and not be said. So whatever else you may think of her blabbing, she seems to have been trying to follow some very permissive instructions by the court. Isn't that right?
1: I think that that's correct. And again, she's not a lawyer. She does she has no, you know, years of practice to filter what she did through. All she has is what the judges told her she can and can't do. And I think in her mind, she's staying very squarely within the four corners of that document that's sitting in front of her.
0: So to be clear, you know, from, from our perspective, your perspective and mine, Joyce, we think maybe she talked too much and it may cause some problems or some heartburn and it may lead to some emotions. But Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney gave instructions that, as I said a second ago, might be viewed as permissive. His instruction was that you may legally discuss with anyone, not just the news media, certain things, but they cannot discuss their deliberations. What does that mean, Joyce? The judge said, so the question becomes what deliberations are, and I explained that would be the discussions they had amongst themselves when it was just the grand jurors in the room, when they were discussing what do we do with what we've learned, but he also said when an assistant district attorney or a witness was in the grand jury room, they can talk about what happened then because that's not deliberations. Deliberations is only when you kick everyone else out of the room, when there's a DA or, a, or assistant DA or a witness in the grand jury room. That's presentation. And he said they're not prohibited from talking about that, nor are they prohibited from talking about the fruit of their deliberations, which would be the final report. Now, there's one bar on that because much of the final report remains under seal. But what do you make of those instructions?
1: Georgia is weird, right? Georgia grand jury practices is foreign to our experience.
0: Georgians, send your mail to Alabama, (laughs) not to New York.
1: (laughs) I'm happy to bear the brunt of that. But I think, and, and you may disagree with this, Preet, there are two questions here, and they've been largely conflated in the public conversation about what the Fulton County foreperson has done. The first question is, Did she break the rules? In other words, does she have any sort of personal liability? You know, at the outer limits of that, could she have criminally violated grand jury secrecy? And it seems quite clear that the answer to that question is no. She stayed within the rules that the judge gave her. There is a separate question, though, and that question is whether legal and appropriate or not, does her conduct somehow? impact any future defendants. And that's not, you know, a motion to dismiss because Emily Kors talked. That would have to be a motion to dismiss because pretrial publicity unduly influenced the grand jury or, or somehow tainted the trial. I think we'll see that motion in, in a number of ways, shapes, and forms. But when you think about it in the ultimate scheme of pretrial publicity, let's just say, theoretically, Trump and others are indicted over January 6th, what she's done is essentially a drop in the bucket here. We watched January 6th happen on TV, right? Impeachment televised. House committee, the January 6th committee televised. The report publicly available. So I'm not sure that she's that last little drop of water that that makes the bucket overflow I think it's important for us to understand that that's the legal context that a judge would view her conduct in, if Trump or others were were to raise it in a motion.
0: Yeah. So that latter point, I think you're correct that it's it's meaningless, it's trivial if it's even trivial. She has not said, based on everything that I've read, anything negative or prejudicial towards anyone. I mean, she's not even confirmed. She's sort of winking, but she's not even saying. The Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.
1: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.